0: Welcome to the podcast, A Moon in the Dark, with Ellen Blake.
1: What are the odds that a blind man would be able to find one marked silver dollar if the state of Texas was covered in two feet of silver dollars? That probability is 1 in 10 to the 17th. The same probability that only eight of the 200 to 400 prophecies of Jesus of Nazareth written in the Hebrew Bible would come true in one human being from the time the prophecies were written until today. That example was given by Robert Newman, PhD in astrophysics at Cornell University in his book, Science Speaks. Today, my son Daniel and I look at one passage in Isaiah that is a prophecy of Jesus of Nazareth and what it means if it is true. The question we consider is, what would you do if you found the fountain of true peace? This podcast is sponsored by Wins Pharmacy in Griffin, Georgia. You can trust Drew, Annette, and their team to be fast, friendly, confidential, and professional. You can find them at winspharmacy.net. I'm sitting here with Daniel again.
0: Hey again. So as we consider the Christmas story. Naturally, you would think we would start as of when this kid is born, but we're backing up like 700 years before and talking about this guy named Isaiah. Yes. Um, such a cool thing that in the Old Testament, there are some say what 200 to 400 prophecies that point to, to Jesus or point to a savior that was to come. And we're focusing uh, today on one of those, uh, from Isaiah and there's several in this one verse we're, we're, we're going to read in Isaiah here in 9-6. Mom, um, you want to read what we're, we're jumping into today?
1: Yeah, it's the New Living Translation. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
0: Uh, I remember back—I don't know—I was eight or ten or something—and remember you took us, took me on like a family field trip over to Mobile, Alabama, when the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were kind of on their tour, and that was the closest they were going to come to us. Uh, and I remember you being so excited about that. Why? Why have you always kind of been, been fascinated and been so excited about uh, the Old Testament, but specifically like you know, prophecy and, and that kind of thing?
1: Well, I just the Dead Sea Scrolls have always fascinated me, and they. They were discovered uh, that this great Isaiah scroll, which is what is so exciting to me that around 1946 or so, it was discovered in in the, the caves in Qumran with the other Dead Sea Scrolls. But what's important about this great Isaiah scroll is that it was preserved almost exactly the whole book. And it was a thousand years older, this manuscript, than the current copies of Isaiah that were known to man. Mm. And so, and it was almost exactly the same as the one that the Hebrew scholars had and the Christian scholars had. So that's just super exciting. And yeah. along with all the other pieces of um, of parchment and, and scrolls, I'm just kind of a nerd and I have just always loved um, the Bible.
0: Well, and, and that's something that's huge that, you know, if it's one thing that if we have these manuscripts of like oh this is cool little myth or legend but if we have something that hey this is actually you know, what went down and we actually have the manuscripts from it, it could mean something different as we look at this as you know possibly uh, truth or something to to really consider here
1: well and one of the things that you you see of an old testament prophet frequently they would they would prophesy things that were near future and far future and in between like you would be looking out at a range of mountain ranges, so you'd see some mountains in front of you, and then as they would build, as they go back down. So, one of the things that is fascinating is that Isaiah prophesied about King Cyrus about a hundred years before, you know, his he, his parents even named him that he was born, mm. uh, and Cyrus was uh, the one that would allow the Jewish people to move, to go back out of captivity back to to the land of Israel, and so. If Isaiah could, you know, that was one thing that, that did come true. It's just like a fun fact. Mm. Um,
0: and that was the, the measure of a prophet was if their prophecies came true, then, you know, they were from God. Uh, and we see uh, this prophecy that we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more. But I want to know kind of as, you know, when, when did you first really become like latch on to really studying the Bible and death as a whole and even the Old Testament? And why is that such an important thing to you?
1: Well, I'd just been married. Well, my my, my Otis's sister Nancy would always say how much she loved her Bible study. Uh, she went to Bible study fellowship, and she would always tell me, "I needed to go. I needed to go." And we would move a lot because Otis is in the Navy. And finally, we were somewhere where I could go, and um, I went in the middle of the year. Where they were studying Matthew about the the parable of the soils, and When that was over, I went to a bagel shop in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I just sat there with my bagel and cried because I realized that the soil of my heart had been crusted, that I had missed out on actually studying through a a book of the Bible and that these people that were studying it, they were so excited to see what did it say and what did it mean for their lives. And as I kept going, I would meet these women who were so interesting. They would spend their, their time delving into the Bible for themselves and then getting together and talking about it and applying it. So ever since then I've been hooked on it. I couldn't really, I did, it was like I realized what I'd been missing and didn't know it. I grew up around the church, in the church, around all kinds of things, ministries, you know, and had never really just systematically seen what the Bible actually says with Mm -hmm. people who believe that it's relevant.
0: Right. And there's so many things that we have to consider when we look at the claims that the Bible makes. And, you know, one thing that you want to hone in on today is what would we do if we could find the true fountain of of peace. Uh, and this verse here really points us in not only just peace, but a lot of other claims about who this, this child is that's going to be born. Mm.
1: Yeah. So not only does it say it's a child and a son, but that he is God. So that tells you right there that this is a human that is God, which is something that hadn't been seen before, you know, when this has been spoken of, um, that he would be a mighty God, and the everlasting father. Those are clearly in the Hebrew uh, titles for God himself. So it's not really, um, it's pretty clear here that what Isaiah is saying. Um, what, in, what in there do you see as being relevant today?
0: Yeah, I mean, the other... A couple things that jump out when he talks about the titles of this person, this to come, wonderful counselor uh, and prince of peace. Just thinking, I, I grew up hearing those things, uh, and you know, it's like, oh, those are just kind of nice names for, for Jesus. But if they're actually true, of uh, Jesus wants to be my wonderful counselor, like what, what does that mean for me today? If, you know, do I am I able to come to him for, for counsel, and does he want to step into the little things of life and be my wonderful counselor. Um, and hand in hand, he's the prince of peace. Uh, how, how can I tap into that peace? And if he wants to be my, if my wonderful counselor is also the prince of peace, then I can seek counsel for the one who's able to give me peace in the things of life that I desperately need peace in. So these claims and these names can seem lofty and far off, but when we think about what they might mean for us, that could change the game drastically.
1: Mm. Absolutely. One of the things I love about this is the government will rest on his shoulders. Uh, you know, I think being like a type a woman, mother, wife, um, when our kids are little, you know, we do pretty much control, you know, what you do with your day. Um, but then that, that control can get really unhealthy when you think that you actually can control things or govern things. And then you feel like you have to, to, it's up to you for the outcomes of things. And, uh, so I have found great peace in reflecting that the government will rest on the shoulders of Jesus and he is in charge of governing and the outcomes of things. And even our, you know, United States government mm. too, we need <laughs> we need uh his shoulders. So that has been encouraging to me. Yeah. And you know, even Jesus himself when he was leaving the night before, you know, the night he was betrayed and arrested, in John 14 27 he said peace I leave with you my peace I give you not as the world gives do I give you do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid so if he's the expert on peace and he's offering us peace that means that we can live with peace mm. and it's something to consider because so many people wouldn't be wouldn't say that they are peaceful that they have true peace you know that everyone's telling us the anxiety is off the charts the worry the yeah. um, medications to to deal with life uh so if there was a fountain of peace we sure would be wise to go to it
0: yes and it can be so freeing to know that as the prince of peace and mighty god everlasting father that the government's on his shoulders and not ours like when we have want control feel like the burden is on us then that's where a lot of anxiety comes from. And when we can give that to him, knowing that not only does he have the government on his shoulders, but he also wants to not only take those burdens from us, but give us peace in their place. That's a really freeing thing uh, mm. for me.
1: Well, thinking back to the, to the the story and the claims of the Bible, I didn't grow up really. I don't remember anyone ever teaching me that Jesus was anywhere in the Old Testament.
0: Mm.
1: I mean, how, how do you, through your readings and through your studies, how do you see the, the claims of the whole, the whole story?
0: Yeah, when I think about the Old Testament, I just really want to view the Old Testament the same way that Jesus viewed it. And when I look at Jesus's life and the way that he talked about the Old Testament, he always viewed it and talked about it as pointing to himself and that he was fulfilling all that was spoken about in the law and the prophets. When he was talking to the Pharisees and they were speaking about Moses, Jesus said, if you only knew what Moses was actually talking about and that he spoke about me, then you would accept me for who I am. One of my favorite stories is after he rose from the dead, he's walking on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, and these two guys don't know that it's Jesus. And they're saying, man, we had hoped that this guy, Jesus would have been the one that was gonna save Israel. And then Jesus responded and said, hey, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And man, I wish I could have heard that conversation. But Jesus views not only Moses, but all the prophets and all the scriptures as speaking about himself. And he explained how they all did that. And so we get to come and view the scriptures, view the Old Testament, the same way Jesus did and see, okay, how do these things... Explain who Jesus is and what's to come. And one of my favorite resources when it comes to, to this is the Bible Project by Tim Mackey and John Collins. They always say that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus and they explore each book and also these story arcs and themes and track them throughout the Bible and show this really is from start to finish a story and Jesus is the climax in it uh, and, a, and a focal point, but you can't take out the whole introduction beforehand.
1: Daniel, what if this passage was one of the ones that Jesus opened up for the guys in the road to Emmaus?
0: Well, it totally could have been.
1: That's really cool to think about.
0: Yeah. And so as we wrap up thinking about, if this is really true, let's view the Old Testament, how how Jesus viewed it. And specifically this, can we rest in Jesus being our Prince of Peace, our Wonderful Counselor, our Mighty God, our Everlasting Father? Can we give him... government that is on his shoulders and know that it's not on ours not as something that we might just get right on a quiz but as something that we know to be true and can live in and affect our day
1: Mm. thank you so much for your time today and for sitting down with me this has been a lot of fun
0: always a pleasure
1: thank you so much for joining us today if you don't mind go on and rate and review the podcast it would really help other people to find us and if you would like to get a book um the Christmas book, A Light Shines in the Darkness. It's on amooninthedark.com. There's an ebook and a regular book, and you will have the Christmas scriptures laid out for you where you can interact with them. There's also devotion questions and pages for you to uh, have a guided prayer time. Uh, A lot of people have enjoyed this page where you can just lay out your thoughts before the Lord and, and focus your mind in prayer. I'm really excited for the next episode where I have another special guest, and we're going to consider the question, have you ever been beaten up by a religious system or beaten up by your circumstances? Remember, if you're looking for a pharmacy, you can trust Wins Pharmacy in Griffin, Georgia. Check them out at winspharmacy.net. I leave you with peace for your day and peace for your night.